Welcome to my hometown, filled with murder, mysteries, the paranormal, and a fair share of hauntings. This is Local Legends. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Local Legends with Lark Farley. I'm your host, Lark. A little bit about the podcast if you're new here. Every Sunday I share with you all stories that took place in my small hometown, Brown County, in Indiana. These stories range from true crime to the paranormal and everywhere in between. If you'd like to share your own hometown stories, or just drop a line and let me know how you're doing or what you think about the past podcast episodes, or if you have any further details you'd like to share or have me expound on, you can send that to me at locallegendswithlark at gmail.com. As always, all of the articles used in today's episode will be linked in the description should you want to check them out for yourself. All right, let's get into it. Today's episode, like I mentioned previously, is regarding church vandalism which we do not condone on this podcast. You should not be breaking and entering. That's illegal and not good. Do not do that. It's not nice. But it was a big deal when this story broke because, as you may have guessed, there were quite a few churches impacted by what this man did. So we're just going to break it down. This is a article from the Brown County Democrat that was posted uh, last year on April 14th, 2020, so not that long ago. The title of the article is Man Sentenced for Church Burglary Vandalism. A 22-year-old Columbus man has been sentenced to almost four years in jail after pleading guilty for his role in vandalizing and stealing from multiple churches in Brown County, Indiana, almost three years ago. So they caught this guy three years after the fact. Renzo Signorino was sentenced on March 30th to serve three and a half years in the Brown County Jail. He has been there since his arrest on August 23rd, 2018, and those 781 executed days are included in his sentence. The same day he was sentenced, Signorino pleaded guilty to burglary, a level 5 felony, three counts of institutional criminal mischief, class A misdemeanors, and conspiracy to commit burglary, a level 5 felony. The remaining counts were dismissed as part of the plea deal. Police from Brown and Bartholomew counties worked together to make arrests almost a year after the churches were all vandalized. The string of vandalism and thefts at churches in both counties began on June 22, 2017, at the Way of Holiness Church on Hurdle Road in Brown County. A Warwick-based guitar was stolen from that church, according to a press release from Prosecutor Ted Adams. On July 5th, the St. Agnes Catholic Church office was broken into. Vandals entered the church office, only not the actual church, to write on the walls according to an August 2018 probable cause affidavit that was filed by Detective Brian Schrader with the Brown County Sheriff's Department. A window was also broken out, several candy bars were taken, and so was a checking deposit book, but some of the items were found on an air conditioning unit that was located outside of the church. Crosses at St. Agnes were hung upside down on the wall as if to signify something, he reported. A glove was left at the office and its match was found next to the youth barn at the church. The water in the sink had also been left on and the toilet had been wedged to run continuously. The next day, on July 6, Pike's Peak Church on Bellsville Pike was vandalized by Signorino and an alleged accomplice. Grape juice had been poured through the church and items had been smashed off of the walls. A bottle of water had been placed on the pulpit upside down, so when someone moved it, the water would spill out. 
A phrase was written on a dry erase board in the church, but police wouldn't say what it was at that time. In the probable cause affidavit, it was revealed that the phrase was, God works in mysterious ways. That same phrase was found in a note left at Ohio Chapel Church in western Bartholomew County on July 7th. The suspects vandalized that church and tried to set it on fire. Cell phone data was collected as part of the investigation. Law enforcement went after cell phone data from local cell phone towers to determine if we could harvest any person of interest. This was seemingly an entirely random act conducted by the same people, Adams said. In August of 2018, investigators from Brown and Bartholomew counties received information from the Federal Bureau of Investigation, aka FBI, which was investigating arson and criminal mischief at a synagogue in Carmel, Indiana. In that matter, Nolan Brewer was convicted of a federal hate crime. His wife, Kiyomi Brewer, was a juvenile at the time. She was waived into adult court and convicted of arson of the synagogue in state court, according to Adams' press release. The investigators in southern Indiana were notified about similarities between the synagogue arson and the church vandalism in the Brown and Bartholomew counties. Police then interviewed Kiyomi Brewer. She denied participating in the Brown and Bartholomew County matters. However, she claimed that she knew that Renzo Signorino told her he had perpetuated the acts. She supplied information known only to investigators, Adams said. Signorino initially denied his role in the matter, but eventually admitted that he had helped, including writing God works in mysterious ways. He also admitted to storing the missing bass guitar in his closet. Signorino is required to complete an additional 499 days of probation as part of his plea agreement. He also has to undergo a mental health assessment and a drug and alcohol assessment, perform 150 hours of community service, and pay more than $3,000 in fines and restitution that was requested by the Ohio Chapel Methodist Church in Bartholomew County. Adams recognized the four impacted churches for extending grace to Signorino. It is truly touching, and these folks deserve recognition for practicing their Christian values when it came to Mr. Signorino. Still, punishment for these dreadful, senseless acts, seemingly without motive, is absolutely appropriate, Adams said. Adams thanks the officers who helped with the case, including Schrader and Special Agent Bradley Bookwalter, with the FBI, along with prosecutors in Bartholomew County. We will be convening as a team to determine whether additional charges should be filed against Mr. Sagnarino's claimed co-defendant, Adams said, about Kiyomi Brewer. So what's interesting about this was that apparently Kiyomi, her husband, and Signorino kind of like created a pact with each other seemingly to just vandalize religious buildings, which is like, not cool, don't do that, you know... No, what are you doing? Why would you do that? You're going to get caught, obviously, and the FBI is going to get involved because they're going to think it's a hate crime. So, like, you're just, you're you're setting up yourself for failure and a criminal record, okay? But yeah, that was the story. I just, I remember this happening and everybody was, like, so paranoid and, like, locking up the churches, you know, because they just assumed it was happening to them. It, it was just an interesting time. I remember it was, like, a, everybody was talking about it. Everybody just assumed that, yeah, it was, like, a hate crime, which I I don't honestly think that it was. It was just someone, you know, young, dumb kids trying to find ways to entertain themselves. Was it appropriate? No. Should they have done that? No. But they were just trying to see what they could get away with. Well, it wasn't a lot. I thought it was interesting that their, like, behavior that they had was just, like, such dumb kids. You know, leaving the water bottle upside down so whoever moved it would spill it, really. Big brain games here. You know what I'm saying? Like grape juices being drinking and writing stuff on the walls and hanging crosses upside down. 
I don't know. I just, I was like, oh my gosh. Only in Brown County could this kind of stuff happen. Like, only in Brown County could you be so bored that this is how you want to entertain yourself. Vandalizing and breaking into churches. Also, I'm glad that no one was hurt because I can't even imagine the terror that one would feel. You know, you're alone in the church and churches are usually big buildings, right? So you might already be a little freaked out. And then all of a sudden you see that the church got broken into by vandals. That'd be so scary. Can you imagine? So it could have been a lot worse. I'm glad that it wasn't. I'm glad that they caught them. Seems like they caught them all very swiftly and it all got resolved. Also, I looked into it and they didn't press more charges. He honestly got off fairly light in my opinion. So that's good, I guess. You know, he didn't go to jail for the rest of his life. So there's that. Yeah, it's a short and sweet episode this week. I didn't want to go into too in-depth or crazy because next week we're going in a along in similar veins is another uh, true crime case because it's an update. You guys, it's an update. It just broke a few days ago and I am so unbelievably intrigued and interested to see what happens. So if you remember a few episodes back, there was an episode I covered called Body Discovered in Brown County and it was the body of Angela Wyshit. She was murdered, her body wrapped in a blanket, and discovered by a deer hunter back in November of 2020. Now, at the time of her discovery of her body being discovered, her family and herself had no connection or ties to Brown County, and everyone was scrambling to try to figure out what happened and why she was in Brown County, who could have murdered her. Like, they literally had no leads, and it seemingly was going to be another cold case. But you guys, there's an update! They arrested someone in connection to her murder. So I'm going to give it some time, hopefully within the next week, for them to really come out with details because the article I was able to find on the Brown County Democrat that literally just leaked a few days ago is still very new and investigators are not giving details. Like they are being so tight-lipped about the who and the why and the how, like how it's all connected. But we do have people that are being charged as we speak for the murder of Angela Weishitz. So I'm going to be covering that next week in more detail. We're going to be breaking it all down like we always do. I am honestly shocked at how quickly they were able to find someone and convict someone. Like, that's huge. Because honestly, as I say you're talking to you, I was going to assume that this is going to be like Tracy Sissom's case, which is another episode we covered, where it's just going to become an Indiana cold case because there's seemingly no ties, no connection. Like, what? who would have done that to Angela? Well, we now have someone. So I'll be covering that next week. If you're interested, check that out. In the meantime, stay safe, stay hydrated, and I'll talk to you next Sunday. Bye!